the Charlton Daily. A Scotland Euro 2020 podcast by Hockey the Hack. A very warm welcome to episode 7. That's a week of them now, of the Tartan Daily. And today what we're going to do is, I mean, we've done the recriminations, we've done the regret, we've done all of that. Let's just get back into the spirit of let's get into them. Today is, and by the way, you can see that I'm still suffering heat stroke in a hotel in Borehamwood. Today is about getting up for the England game, because we need to lift it. We need to lift it, not just as a football team, but as a nation. So that is why I have surrounded myself with a cracking pair of people to make up our front three today. So Simon Beans is with us, Fat Boy Beans off Twitter. He's got his own podcast, the Fit's Been Happening podcast. How are you doing, mate? Very well, a bit still mentally drained from Monday whilst also very optimistic. I'm in this kind of limbo where I spent half my day extremely buzzing and then the other half of the day. But it's not even half and half. It's like five minutes, five minutes, five minutes, five minutes. Um so I suppose that's what we that's that's the buzz of a tournament. But yeah mate, I'm I'm good. Thanks for having me on. No, it's good to have you on mate. And Lauren Cahill, friend of mine for primary school, proper going back and uh from the same town as me and also we are a veteran of a trip to Wembley together, aren't we, Lauren? We are indeed. Uh, a very fun and somewhat wild trip, um, ah, including right. downing a pint when we realised we weren't allowed to take the pint that we just bought into the stadium. <laughs> so two of us downing a pint just, just to start us off with the right foot. Well, that is the national sport that we're probably the number one in the world, isn't it? Like, if we're honest, like, downing of pints, I reckon Scotland are, are kind of topping the, the FIFA rankings, although it wouldn't be FIFA that administrate something like that, let's be honest. So, I today is about, let's get into them. Let's get into them. And I know, Simon, you've got a few stories that you can tell us with regards of reasons to get into them. But what I also want to do is I want to invite anyone who's watching, whether it's on Twitter, Facebook or YouTube, just say hello in the comments, let us know you're there, and if you've got any good stories or reasons that we should get into them and lift ourselves for this England game, then please do. I mean, we will reflect a wee bit in the Czech Republic, and we will do some tactical stuff looking ahead to changes we would make and stuff, but we did plenty of that on episode six as well, so there's loads of stuff you can look back through in terms of the run, and uh, it's going to be interesting when I go back to listen to episode one, just how misguided my um, assessment of this group is going to be. I think I predicted we'd get four points. It's going to be a tough ask. One of the wins was against the Czech Republic, so, or well, the only one as it was going to be. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, Troops, how are you feeling ahead of Friday? I'm roasting. It's absolutely boiling in London, the new. And I'll tell you, right, see, <laughs> at Hamden, we had the, the joy of some kind of right dreech Scottish weather for the game against the Czech Republic, which could have been, well, know that they've got a particularly tropical climate, but a leveller, you know, it's something that, that made it a home game. If the England weather is like their game against Croatia, which it looks like it could be, although it will be later in the day, then are we not just going to fold like, like deck chairs in <laughs> that Wembley turf, being of the veterans of the Scottish climate as our team are? Because I, I, I'm a bit worried about this heat for myself <laughs> and for the Scotland team. <laughs> England fans are the same, you reckon, aye? I reckon. I don't, I don't think anyone's used to this weather, so I imagine the England team, you know, imagine the folk they're playing in Manchester every week. 
Mm. They're not used to this either, so I think I like that. <laughs> might be leveler. Bit of positivity there. Sorry, Simon. I start. I start address that a question at an individual. I'm just suffering with heat stroke here, and I've had to shut my window because there's building work going on outside, and I've had to put the fan off because it would be far too noisy on the podcast. So just watch me spontaneously combust as this progresses. Do you know what I mean? But I, what, what do you reckon about the heat? Do you reckon? Do you reckon that's going to be a factor? Um. Hopefully the England players are inspired a bit too much by the Euro 96 team and end up going get absolutely leathered uh, on Thursday night. <laughs> um, that's probably the best thing that could happen with the heat. But I, I'm sitting in a freezing cold house in the south side of Glasgow right now and I'm meant, I was meant to be in London, but I'm no longer going. So um, I'm somewhat jealous, but at the same time, I feel quite happy because I've got a fan sat down here, which there's no point in putting on because I'm at, hence the hoodie, I'm, I'm freezing, so... You're making me Sorry. jealous. Mate. You're making me jealous. <laughs> like, uh, I, no, I think, I think the, the one thing that I'm concerned about is I'm meant to be doing work today, and yesterday turned into there was a strange day. I started watching some zombie thing on Netflix. I was telling you just before we came over about this, Simon, the Santa Clarita diet, where Drew Barrymore coughs up her heart in the opening episode and then just starts being a zombie and eating folk. And I wasted a good couple of hours of my day yesterday watching that. And aye, it's not been um, it's not been the most productive spell down here yet. But hopefully the productivity increases for all people of a Scottish persuasion as we come down. You ever been any trips down south to, to watch games, Simon, like Scotland or or Endels? Um I think I don't think I, I I don't really like going down to I was meant to go to Wembley the last time we played, but apart from that, I don't really like going down south for football at all. Um I like the away trips abroad and elsewhere, but just for my disdain for the the English football, try to say this in the most politically correct way, but <laughs> Sorry, I, I basically hate I hate English football fans in every aspect of it. I think they're very they're very um, smug. Even I think I was down on a work trip years and years and years ago when we went to Blackpool, and I was with a couple of my mates, and we were all Celtic Rangers fans, mixed crowd. And uh, we got chatting away. These guys in the pub heard their accent. They get chatting away. It is and this guy. But this is when Blackpool were like League One, and the guy was convinced they would come up here and clean shop. So I was like, I don't really think I could handle mixing with with English. So I've, it's it's a factor that's put me off. I feel you there. I feel you there. Now I have worked most of my career down here, and my career is obviously in sports journalism. So I have encountered that kind of thing since probably when I went to uni, which is 12 years ago. Goodness me, I'm getting old. Uh, when I first went to uni, that was when I first encountered it. And it's fair to say that back then I was a bit more abrasive and I gave as good as I got. And listen, the Scottish accent had some advantages, right? I can't fight, but I can remember there was a night outside a pub, right, where my mate was getting a bit of hassle and I just turned around to like, whoever was doing it, right? Oh, no, right, you want some? You want one of they kind of guys, right? And I turned around and I went, is there a problem here? Right, like, with my eyebrow. Now, I can't fight. I'm as hard as your first jobby. Like, no, no really into it. But the guy was like, oh, no, mate, no, mate, it's all right. You know what I mean? Like, just because I sound Scottish and that hard. You know what I mean? I'm hard in the fit, my bitch. Like, I can put in a sliding tackle, but I, no, no, any, no any fighting or that. But, yes, Scottish accent does have some advantages. But I, I get what you mean. There is... There would be nothing better. I don't even care if we go out now, right? See if we can manage to get their presumptuous sort of, oh, we'll just go and turn up and, like, beat them. 
probably a less nice word than that. Uh, if we can manage to shove that back down their throat and they don't eventually win the tournament, this tournament will be a success. If we go out with three points, the three points are got against England, this tournament will be a success, as long as England don't win it. That's that's my view. Would you subscribe to that, Lauren? Do you know what? It's funny that you say that, because I, same thing, the other night, we're having drinks, and uh, one, one of my pals says, do you know what, like, English guy really worried against the game the really worried about the game on Friday. Um and then two of the other guys were like, why? And he like so this guy's like, well str- strongest Scottish team that there's been, you know, England, we've got a habit of bottling it. The last time that we played, it was obviously a mistake in the in the end that, that cost it like but and this guy's like, nah nah, 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 we'll walk it, we'll walk it. And the other guy's like, but I've literally just given you all the evidence why we've never walked it before. But you're still like, ah, you know, it'll be fine. Like, oh, yeah, but Croatia's a much better team than the Czech Republic and blah, blah, blah. And you're just like, like it's just based on nothing. And I actually, right, this is like, this is more controversial than, uh, than, than I think anything that's going to be said. I have some sympathies with this England team. Like, you know what, like, it's a nice bunch of players, but the fans are just... That's it. No, you're absolutely, absolutely right. putting putting stuff on them that you know the pressure on them. Mm-hmm. That like you know like guys like Marcus Rashford, I think he's quality, but oh, like I mean, the amount of nonsense he gets. Like, what, what what he's done out with football was <laughs> a huge mention. Like Marcus Rashford, like, he's doing the the Labour Party's job in England. You know, like I mean, fair play, <laughs> the guy. I, I think that's. I think that deserves some recognition. I've also got to say, Gareth Southgate, I really like as a boss. I think he's got that kind of yogi love thing of looking at it holistically. I've said that in the podcast before. I think he's quite likable. Don't think he cares at the overreaction to him playing Kieran Trippier at left back. Don't think he cares. And I've got a lot of time for that non-caring. I think he picks an England team based on form rather than reputation. I think he's a really good boss. I actually don't mind a lot of players in the England team. In fact, there's probably only one. You know, there's usually an England player or four or five who have that English face, the Stuart Pearce face, the Alan Shearer face, all of that. I can probably only count one in the England team at the moment, like if, if I'm honest. And that is that is an improvement. There's only one like Larry face in that team. So that makes them less reprehensible and it makes me hate them a bit less. But the fans make up for that, as you say. It's the fans. And the, the media. The media make up for it as well. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> no, listen, I'll tell you what. I think it's, I mean, just from a purely balanced standpoint, right? Now, take away the fact the BBC treats Scotland as a region, the same it treats Gloucestershire or Norfolk as a region, right? Like, the fact that you're watching the build-up to games and they'll spend 10 to 15 minutes of that opening game on England, and you get a wee five-minute segment in Scotland, and a wee five-minute segment on Wales, who played the very next day. So that was the more immediate story, right? And I, I just think the, the lack of balance is shocking, and it really annoys me. Anyway, we've got a question in early doors. De Stefano Talks, who was on the podcast yesterday, Mr. Stephen Carlin, asks, can we beat England on Friday? I suppose that's a big question. It's the million-dollar question. What do we reckon? Aye. Aye, why? Aye, I think it's possible, and 
it's not just oh I it's a game of football we can win. I think that there's a there's a real good chance for it when we're going against Czech Republic. It's probably very difficult. Czech Republic, I'm not saying that England aren't organised, but the Czech Republic game was very difficult in the sense that the previous two times we've played them in the last couple of years or eighteen months or so, there's been two completely different lineups with both teams, and going into that third game just on Monday was again completely different. There's a, f- a lot of familiarity with these uh, with these players that are playing each other now um, on Friday, and I think there will be a sense of conf- overconfidence with English players. Um, I've watched a little bit. Of, I've not wanted to watch um, much coverage with English team, but it's as you pointed out, it's very difficult when two of the best teams right. in the world are about to play in a group stage match, and all they do is talk about Gaza's goal for half an hour. Ah, um, but there is an air of overconfidence and um, I just think that we could start, if we start, I was ve- I was very happy with the first, this is going to sound stupid, I was very happy with the first five minutes on Monday. If we can start with that confidence, I, I don't see why we can't. And um, right. we, we got we, we almost got a 2-1 win at Hamden with a, a far less um, structured Scotland team at Hamden against England. So I don't see why not and it wouldn't surprise me. Are England better? I don't even think so. I think they've got better individual players, but what Steve the difference <coughs> between Steve Clark is Steve Clark's got us playing as a unit and the team's built the, the team is built as a unit. But I've got English mates who for the last year or two have just been asking they just want Southgate out and um he seems to be very kind of I know some people say it about Clark, but he seems to very much pick favours um for players and I don't know. I just I don't think that um I think they're relying on the fact that they've got a Harry Kane and a Phil Foden too much. Um, Southgate's Phil pretty Foden much like away, away, and, away and win. Aye. Phil Foden is handy, and I thought he was unlucky not to score that early chance against Croatia. The one thing that frightened me a wee bit, and has frightened me about the entirety of the opening group games, is England are the team that's played like the eventual winners out of any team I could pick. Now, you could point to France and you could point to Italy, but I think the team that always wins the tournament seems to be the one that eases into it. Italy have come out like a house on fire, like absolutely at it from the get-go. France have had a massive win against Germany, although it was a pretty controlled performance again. So I think I, I think all the teams, like the, the one that kind of unsuspectingly just comes through and wins the race, England look most like that team so far. That frightens me. That really, really frightens me. Lauren, you've spent a lot of time living down south of the border like myself. Can you imagine how unbearable they would become if they won one? Like, I mean, the last one was 1966. We never end up here in the end of that. Can you imagine, like, what just how bad it would get? Because, like, I, I don't think I could move back, back from south if, if that was the case. Right, so the thing I'm not sure about though is 66 so ingrained now. Would they even start to talk about the new one, or would it still be 66? Right. <laughs> so, because so, the thing is, you know, like the the bunch of players they've got now, and the, the amount of, um, shall we say, nonsense that they get from the fans, and the amount of nonsense that Southgate gets, I think half of that, half of the sort of half of the folk would just still heart back to 66 because I think that was, you know, the real. I don't know, there's just something about that being the glory days. And I, like that what they remember and what they talk about wasn't even real, was it? Like the mm. like the, the how great it was. So I think 
that and another thing is do you know what like i don't think they even want to be happy about it because actually which do you hear more about 66 or maradona's handball like i think they want to be angry so i think what would be even more unbearable is if if they got beat in the final by a dodgy decision that's what we'd well one thing to account for that a wee bit the one thing i, I put out a tweet uh, <laughs> that was during the luxembourg game because lyndon dykes handballed it and if Skippy the Bush Kangaroo was to handball it against England and it just let be a goal and it count and VR didn't catch it for whatever reason, the union would dissolve right there. Like that, that would be it. Like there wouldn't, we wouldn't need a second independence vote, it would be done. If you've got an ex- Australian expatriate in the Scotland team uh, scoring like a ode to Maradona type goal, and then obviously right after that, we would have somebody who, who would be the candidate to score the Maradona goal? I think, obviously, because of the left foot, a default to Ryan Christie. But who would be the candidate to score that Maradona second goal in the Scotland team? The new it probably would be Christie, wouldn't it? I'm thinking maybe Ryan Fraser actually. Um, could be. I'm a James Forrest fanboy, so I'll just go Forrest. He can do it in the voice <laughs> as well. I no, he can't, mate. He's the most one footed footballer thing ever. <laughs> He's he's one of the best Scottish talents and generations, and he's vastly under underappreciated. But he's vastly underachieved. That's what he has. Like I, I'm, I'm happy to go to town with you in this one. I think James Forrest should be a better player than he is. Over and, a over a decade, and he's scored. He's contributed a goal in just under every second game for over a decade. If you got those stats at any other club in the world. Anyway, I, I'm, I'm not going to bring James Forrest arguments into this because we'll end up down a rabbit hole. I get too passionate about it. I've ended no, up no, no, like no, proper square goals and pubs over this. I don't mind that. Could <laughs> you play right wing back? I'd put him up with Dykes or Adams. That's, that's a bold thing. I think if he gets in the team, he gets in the team in front of Stephen O'Donnell. What about you, Lauren? I think actually I agree with Beans here. I'm a oh, wee bit, no. I've got a wee bit of a soft spot for him. I think he does so... To be fair to him, I think he's a hard, hard worker. And I think sometimes, because he's a skill player, folk don't appreciate that he's also a grafter. So mm. I think I think that's maybe why people do, people think he, think he underachieves, because his skill level's high, but not the top. Grafting level's high, but not the top. So he doesn't go in the uh, McTominay grafter category. He doesn't go in the James McFadden twinkle toes category. But if you were to put a score together, that's where I think he actually, that's why I think he's a better player than than maybe even he realises, to be honest. Um, mm, I think James McFadden has, I mean, I, I've already eulogised about him in this podcast. He's, <laughs> he's my favourite footballer at all time. He's, he's my favourite footballer at all time. He is. like uh, Nobody will ever surpass him genuinely like it doesn't matter what any footballer achieves because I just think he embodies everything about why football is the great sport that it is because <laughs> I've made this comparison before in one parallel universe he's probably got like I don't know like doing the bookies uh on, on match day you know like having having a fry up after the game playing for B juniors you know like and in another parallel universe he's Lionel Messi you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. He's the candidate to score that second goal, by the way, against... I mean, just fling, fling the boots on. And it is one of the great regrets of my life that James McFadden is not at this tournament. But I just wish his career had maybe had a bit more longevity because if it had, then 
I mean, he's probably of the age where he, you would have him in as a veteran, you know, and wheel him out to score against England in the last 20 minutes. Well, I'll indulge you on that chat because see the, the whole going on about Gaza's goal, see James McFadden's goal against Charlton for Everton where he flicks yes. it over uh, Baguera, who we all know was a decent player, flicks it over Baguera and then puts, it's, it's pretty much similar to Gaza's goal, but better in my opinion. I think uh, I'm up there with you. He's my favourite Scotland player of all time and he's a phenomenal pundit as well, which shows that it wasn't just raw ability, he was a clever player as well. So, uh, he is kind of what we are missing, though, um, I would suggest, in this squad. Hi, I've got a question in from one of my mates who's an England fan and fellow journalist and guy that I went to Uniway. And I've got to say, look, of all the England fans that I went to Uniway, you are definitely in the less annoying category, mate. Like, you only one of these sort of grandstanding, oh, yeah, Scotland. Um, anyway, Luke asks, England fan here, who's your biggest worry in the England squad for Friday? Now, even the phrasing of that question is quite telling. He doesn't say the England team. He says the England squad because the depth in that England squad is is quite something. Um, but I'll, I'll I'll put it to you guys, Lauren. Who who's the biggest worry for you? So I think <clears throat> it, even though I don't want to say it, it's Harry Kane, isn't it? Because it doesn't matter how well they're doing, how badly they're doing, they could be grinding out a nothing, and it. He just scores goals, doesn't he? I, I don't, I don't like him. I really, I don't like how he plays. I don't no. like. Yeah, I just I got that wee thing about him. But just, to, just to bring it back to us, and I know that this is the worst comparison that he will probably, he won't appreciate it. But he's like the Chris Boyd, isn't he? You're like, <laughs> how are you scoring that? Why are you scoring? How are you always just in the right place? He's a bit better, Chris uh, Boyd. I will say that. Right. <laughs> he's a bit better. <laughs> He's a bit better. Uh, just, just a wee bit, though. No, a wee bit. He's, he's probably a better pundit as well, let's be honest. Um, <laughs> I, what about yourself, mate? Like, who, who's the biggest worry for you? I would uh, probably, uh, I, I would have to mention Phil Foden for the obvious reasons, but the thing that worries me most about Friday night is the England team, um, the, the back line is incredibly tough to break down with what we've got set up. If we go with as defensive uh, an outfit as we did on Monday, and I know we had like nine centre mids in there, but I think we need to have players like Forrest or Patterson or Adams and Fraser. We need players that can take on a man and beat a man the same way that it gives me fear that Phil Foden, I've just got an image of him getting the ball on that right-hand side and whether it is Forrest or... Patterson or O'Donnell and Hendry next to him, whoever it may be, he can he glides by players in semi-finals of Champions Leagues like it's a Sunday league game he's rocked up to. Um, so Phil Foden obviously sticks out for me. I think he's probably going to go get player of the tournament. Um, I think he's for me in terms of current form, top five in the world at the minute. Um, but the backline is what concerns me about Friday because I think they're very tough to break down, and you need to have something different about it. Um, and I think we need to have Ryan Christie in the park as well, Christie and Armstrong for set pieces, because I think that might be the only chance we'll get, really. Is, is Turnbull maybe not an option for set pieces? And I don't Aye. think he'll necessarily play, but I think that's the problem. I think Scotland have a lot of things that can potentially maybe hurt England, but it's putting those, those different things together that I think is the concern. Just in terms of my view on that question, look, I... I'm actually worried about a player that's not seen any minutes yet. 
I think Jack Grealish has got a statement to make at the tournament. And I think, uh, which obviously is the patch that, that Luke covers, um, and he's a Villa fan, I think Jack Grealish is going to be, if he does get minutes at this tournament, is going to have that determination to show Gareth Southgate that he's worthy of jersey. And I think it's the only bit of sort of Gareth Southgate's whole way of setting the England team up and things that I, I don't necessarily agree with. I think Jack Grealish should should probably be a starter for England at the moment. And I can understand why he's not, but I think if you're accommodating, I don't think you couldn't not, could not, couldn't not accommodate Phil Foden. And I think it's much the same with Jack Grealish as well. I, I think Jack Grealish is somebody that, that should be getting minutes in that England team, definitely off the bench. And I wouldn't actually, because Southgate is prone. And that's the other thing that worries me, is Gareth Southgate. Gareth Southgate worries me because I think he's a top international boss. England are really doing on him. Like, a lot of English people don't really rate him. And I think he's the best manager that I can remember them having in my lifetime. Like, genuinely, I think if he'd given him the squad of players that Sven Goran Eriksson had, then we could we could be really worried. But I, I think Southgate has... I, I think he'll take them as far as the semi-finals, at least again. And if they get past the semi-finals, then it's through the crack in the fingers time. And by the way, if you think that Scotland don't want England to win with quite a... A vengeance at the moment, my English friends. Wait till you get to a final or something. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like, we will turn into that other country for a day. Like, there's Aye. no doubt about that. I'll get a phrase book or something, learn some phrases, um, maybe give you lessons. I don't know. But I, if it's Spanish, then I'm already a winner because I speak Spanish already. Boom. That's grand. That's what we want. We want La Selección, La Furia Roja to get to the final and then bury the English. Um, but I, that's. I mean, I'm doing here the new, right? I'm turning into Charlie Nicholas. I'm just sitting here thinking to myself. <laughs> it's roasting. There's loads of folk from Scotland coming down. By the way, if you're watching this and you're on your way or going to be on your way, from hopefully from misery to happiness today, but you're actually going to be coming to England, so that's mere misery. Uh, let us know like what, what you're up to, what you're, what you're planning to do. I mean, did, did either of you consider the idea of sort of eloping to, to Wembley and coming down south for, for this because obviously it's an amazing occasion. Funnily enough, it's not the first time in our lives it's happened, it's the second, but or well, I'm, I'm not sure how old you are, Simon. It's definitely the second in mine and Lauren's lives. But um, Euro 96 happened and we got to play England at Wembley. We're getting to play them at the new Wembley now and a lot of people are coming down. I don't want to get too deep into like, pandemic and like guidelines and stuff like that. But a lot of people are coming down, uh, whether they've got tickets or not. I want to see people having a good time, and I want it to be done in a kind of good spirit. And hopefully that's what happens. But do you know anybody that's coming down? Or do you, have you thought about it yourselves in terms of coming down and just... Uh, first thing I did is, well, not the first thing, it, when Marshall saved that penalty, I think I cried for a good 10 minutes and then... When I stopped crying, I could see my phone again um, and make out my screen. I was right on to booking.com and, and booked up and got my train sorted. But um, just with like different commitments and the rest of it, I've had to have to patch it. But um, I have got mates going down. I am, I'm extremely jealous because even if we get pumped 6-0, I'd still love to be there. 
Um, the fact they didn't put a fan zone on kind of put me off as well because the last thing I want to be doing is going to some random pub that's got availability and it's full of English geezers and then, you know, they're like we had deck chair and a pint of Carlin. So um, <laughs> got to, you've got to just be a bit careful for anyone that is going down, I would say that. But because um, it's two completely different vibes with the supporter group and I've, I've seen... England fans in their natural habitat before and I've seen Scotland fans before and I mean Mount Florida after a, a, a loss at home to some team that are ranked 85th and everyone's still having a good time it's just in our spirit but hopefully it'll be a good day out self-policing as well like that that's the one thing I would say about that supporter group as well like the, the Scotland fans don't get me wrong they'll get, get buried and do stupid things but usually it's their mates or, or other folk within the Scotland fraternity who so you get a grip of yourselves, you know what I mean? Like, and, and it's, I think there's that thing that, especially if you're going to another country, um, and obviously England's not technically another country, but say this was a normal tournament finals abroad somewhere, Scotland would police itself and there would be that sense of kind of Scottish dignity and pride that you want to conduct yourself in a manner that makes your, your country come across well to wherever you're visiting. England doesn't have that. Like they're just like there, there is a large portion of the England fan base that is just louts, and the fact that they've never really tackled that scourge, I kind of feel sorry for like, the the plenty of England fans that I know that are not like that, and the vast majority has to be said aren't. But it's that it's that small minority, and the fact I think as well that they don't have anyone that challenges that small minority that. That just kind of brings down the rest of them. Well, what do you reckon, Lauren? Like, there's, I've heard people say that as well. So again, the, so this guy that I was telling you about, that's the the super arrogant one that said he had nothing to worry about on Friday. Even he was saying, "But well, I wouldn't go and watch an England game because I don't want to hang out with the fans. Like, I don't want to get involved. I don't want to be around it. You know, if Scotland's there, they're there for a good time. When, like you said, win, lose, or draw." It's and it is about that sort of keeping control. I think it's that the, the minority has just taken over. So the minority means that all those folk that I think probably would be, be saying calm down, you know, take it easy, they they don't engage with it either. So it is only like the extreme ones that end up going places that end up mm-hmm. causing the chaos. And I think it's like they can't self police because the the group is so extreme that even the, the decent England fans they don't want to. They don't want to hang out with them either. And it's like it's a big loss. But I do think there's a definitely like a mentality thing. Because I don't actually always even love watching English. I mean, I've, I've got a lot of games down here. But there is a level of sort of anger and aggression to even at the in the leagues to the players from the fans that I'm not that not that on board with, really, to be honest. So, you know, like booing your own team, mm-hmm. uh, shouting at your own players. You're like... Like, come on, get a grip, guys. They've even, just to go on that point as well, they've got this whole thing recently where see over since the last campaign where they got to the semi-final and get beat and then they've put together this montage of how incredible their campaign was and they've got this whole fake persona that they're so caring about their players, but they're not. Like, if they go out in the quarterfinals, they'll be getting death threats, they'll be getting all sorts where, I mean, we get beat in our first game that everyone was expecting to win and we're like, all right, that's what it is. Had a good day out in the pub. Um, well, I, I mean, then, then like, for, I wasn't drinking, right? I just turned into a My Chemical Romance fan for a few years. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was just <laughs> sitting there, nearly putting the black eyeliner on. Proper depressed, man. Like, it really did get to me, I've got to say. 
But aye, you're right. There's a conviviality with Scotland fans that they don't have, and and that's 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 a good reason to get into them, right? Like, I mean, that's that's what we want to do. We want to come down here, and I think I think the way that we can win, right, regardless of winning on the park, is if we come down here and we show them how you conduct yourself. So that's my sort of rallying call, call to, to to any Scotland fans that are coming down. All right, have a good time, but just keep it together. Do you know what I mean? Make sure we make ourselves look good. And it's going to be a bit harder because I imagine the Metropolitan Police who have just um, managed to to make themselves look wonderful with that, that Daniel Morgan stuff that came out last night. The Metropolitan Police are going to come out with a point uh, to prove, I, I think. And rather than turn it on sort of England fans, I think they'll be trying to... I genuinely think there'll be attempts to engineer situations where Scotland fans are castigated rather than England fans. So be prepared for that and just... Keep your wits about you because I, I, I'm. It's probably quite controversial, but I, I can definitely see instances where Scotland fans will be be tried to be used uh, to, as blame hounds for things that aren't necessarily their fault. So I think it's going to be an interesting climate as well, given all the the pandemic stuff and and all of the different aspects to this. And if you look at the way that journalist was hounded the other day by the anti-vax protesters and stuff. Like society's not kind of knife edge the new, isn't it? Aye, that's a worry. I, I did. I was kind of thinking about that as well as part of it. I think it's quite a de- not even just in terms of like violence or anything, but it's just quite a dangerous situation. I feel as if I was going down, I'd constantly be looking over my shoulder just because, as you said, in terms of the police, I mean, they said there wasn't going to be a fan zone. I thought, regardless of COVID or not. It's within your best interest as the city of London to have a fan zone um, and to be able to ensure the safety of those travelling fans, which there will be. So that was there very a decision for that, mate. Like, did did they justify it? They they had one wee line in their statement saying that it was to discourage fans coming down, as if that was really going to make a big impact. But there's still thousands upon thousands of fans going down. So for me, I think you're very right with that. I think that um, I unfortunately can see there being a spot of bother and I think it will sadly I think this will get quite political um over the weekend I think there will be some bother and it'll be you know the rebellious Scots coming down causing bother and you know or there'll be a spike of cases because eh, they'll find a spike of cases in London over the next week and they'll blame it on the Scots and it will carry I, I have a, I genuinely can see it getting very political which is a shame um the drum chapel variant or something Aye, <laughs> well, there's probably a drum chapel variant. I don't think it's got anything to do with COVID, right? Enough. I think it would just be that's a different type of vaccine you need. Aye, good, you mate. I like it. Um, I know. I think that's the thing. Like, so what we want to do is we want to keep it all together, right? And and that's the one thing I do. But we want to get into them. So in terms of getting into them in a football sense, getting it back to the football, what team would you go with? in terms of the way you would set up. We'll go to you first, Lauren. Like, how would you set up if you were... And then, I mean, how do you think Steve Clark will set up, which we'll come to in a minute, but... <laughs> your team yeah. so I, think, I think that's always going to be uh, two different things, isn't it? Um, so I guess the, the the big question is, Tierney, is he going to be fit? Because um, I think that's going to... If, if he is fit, then obviously... Massive difference he'll make, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I think that the key things, you know, I think the key things for me would be uh, Armstrong, so get Armstrong in, and then um, 
definitely going back to our earlier fanboy chat, Forrest needs more minutes in the park. If he's going to make a difference, it's it's based on the, the amount of time that he's there. Um, I don't know if I wasn't sure how, how fit McGinn was actually. So I think that's something that he needs to consider. Mm-hmm. I think he was I think he's he is getting he is there, but I, th- I don't know, there was just something about it that I thought was maybe a wee niggle from uh, the, the end of last season. Something was maybe not quite clicking for him. But but I don't I don't know whether that's fitness or just getting kind of back into it. Um so I think that's that's probably the, the, the key things for me that I'd like to see is a, a more attacking thinking about pushing for pushing up the park because Armstrong can push up the park. Um, McTominay, trust McTominay as well to sweep things up. Um, so he was a big disappointment for me against the Czechs. I said that in yesterday's podcast. I think McTominay's got to play at the level of a Man United player and if the rest of the Scotland players round about him or not, he's got to be Darren Fletcher about it. He's got to be lifting the levels of everyone else because I don't think he did that against the Czechs. I thought he was a better passenger. And you can't be the Man United player in the Scotland team and be a passenger. Yeah, I think that's what I mean about trusting him, though, because I don't know if maybe because that because he wasn't trusted to have that, you know, at Man United, he's he's now trusted in that role. And I think because Steve Clark's cautious, I think maybe that maybe affects his mentality, so he becomes a bit more a bit more cautious. So here's here's one to fling at you then. Jack Hendry's obviously a bit of a bomb scare. Uh, I, I've never really rated him. I know he's done pretty well in Belgium. Uh, I, I can't say that. I, I mean, I used to commentate the Belgian league, but I definitely don't watch it on a weekly basis anymore. And I think the decision he made to shoot, I mean, obviously David Marshall being sort of Manuel Neuer, but no, he's quick, was a factor. But um, I think the the fact that he had that shot just struck me as naive. And I thought the weak, the weakest bit in our team going into the tournament was the right side of defence. I know McTominay dropped the guy he was marking for the equaliser against Serbia, but he was good at that centre-back position. And we are blessed with options in the centre of midfield. So is there no good argument to say, shift McTominay back, put somebody a bit quicker at right back? Marvel would be Nathan Parson. Nathan Parson. Yeah, I, I would put Nathan Parson in there, but I don't know who else, like, and how else you would kind of reconstruct the team. But I think McTominay and Parson in the right side of defence, and then you've got to start. I think he would start Shea Adams. I think he's got to start the game. And I would still stick with Lyndon Dykes because I just feel he's due a goal and he was amazing against Serbia. And I like how you construct the centre of midfield. I mean, there's a good argument to put Billy Gilmer in there to try and control the game, try and control the pace he's up against these Premier League players in his club career when he, when he starts for Chelsea. And I've no seen him have a bad game when he's been sort of sitting there as the, the dictator of the tempo. He's like the metronome. So I, I, I think I would go full hog and I would bring in Parson. I would move McTominay back and I would bring Gilmer into the team, which is very much sort of playing all your jokers at once. But that's that's the way I would go about reconstructing it. What about yourself, Simon? I very similar to what you're saying. I think for me, I would have um, Tierney, Hanley and McTominay. I think the one thing that was very obvious on Monday was we like to get the ball front to back quite quickly. Um, and we, don't have it. we didn't have anyone in that back line who was able to 
to really do that. Um, Tierney's got a good long pass on him. McTominay does as well, but it's uh, Hendry and Cooper. It's just not really their forty. Um, so I would have that as the back line. I'd put James Forrest in at right back because I think, again, the greatest sell since Jinky Johnson and one of the best Scottish talents in ever. Um, carry on. <laughs> um, and uh, in terms of the middle, I would go. Um, McGinn with I would have McGinn just in front of Armstrong and Gilmore. Um, I know that that's not a Ryan Jack or a McTominay in terms of strength, but with that backline and with the intelligence of Armstrong and Gilmore, I think that they'll be able to intercept the ball. I think that they'll be able to get in about it. They're very they're they're clever players, and like Billy Gilmore, we've got to, we've got to go for him. Um, the size of the pitch, the players he's playing against, the level he's played at. I know he's not played a lot of games, but listen, if you're good enough, age doesn't matter. And I don't think there's a, I don't think there's another player, and I'll even maybe Phil Foden and Mason Mount. I don't think there's another player that can take the ball in a half turn and beat a man with a first touch the same way that Gilmore can. Um, absolutely frightening. So I would go for Gilmore, and in terms of the front two, I would actually go for. Um, I want to say Dykes and Adams, but at the same time, I really want to see Ryan Christie in there. Um, that chance he had on Monday where he beat the two men and then came in and ended up running into O'Donnell, that's just bad luck. But I think those are the kind of half chance, it's not really a half chance, but those are the kind of runs that we needed to see more of. Um, Adams did look good as well, so I wouldn't be, ha- I wouldn't be disgruntled with any of them, but I would still go with Dykes because I think, and I think he, stick, he will stick with Dykes because if we've got Tierney and McTominay and we can go long, you need Dykes up there. He causes problems. He, he'll pin a Maguire or whoever it, or Stones, and that's what you want. And with Adams playing off him as well, if it is Adams or Christie, um, they're clever players. So I, I, w- I would go for that, and hopefully we'll we'll be able to get a result. That is the hope, my man. I am a wee bit more positive than I was yesterday, but I'm still kind of. I still think we'll do well to get a draw. If I'm honest. No, I think I think we're we're performing against a better team. Uh, an analogy that I drew last night, um, speaking to somebody, was it's kind of like a championship team and a Premier League team playing in the cup. That's the that's the analogy that I would draw. Although we do have a couple of world class players, and we definitely hopefully they can both play, and we've got a few players that could potentially reach that level. I think this is a really really good crop that Scotland have got. And I think it's good that we're here. I think it's good experience for us. And hopefully we can that'll be transferable moving forward in terms of the development of the team and stuff like that. But it's all eyes on Friday night. And as I say, the key thing is if England don't win the tournament and we beat them in this game at Wembley, and it doesn't matter if we get gubbed by six of Croatia, this tournament is a success. Like genuinely, Scotland as a nation, we'll see it as a success. And I think if we if we get any three points, then most people will probably see it as that as well. But I'm right. So the last thing I'm gonna get you today is let's let's have your, your predictions. And this kind of harks back to the, the question that we did have earlier on from our mate Stephen Callan. He asked, Can we beat England on Friday? And I think we can. I think we can. But let's transfer that to will we beat? England on Friday. If so, what will the score be and who's going to score? Um, so, any takers on that? Come to you first, Lauren. 
Um, I'm gonna say no. Uh, I don't think we will. Okay. I think I think I think we could get a draw, but I just I, I don't so think it'll be a high score. Prediction: You're a bet if you're a betting woman. Like what 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 are you betting? <laughs> Do you know what? <laughs> a no no draw probably. No no or one one draw. Uh, maybe a one one draw actually because I think we'll sneak a goal. Who's scoring? Forest, obviously. <laughs> Have you not been listening oh, to me and being for the last? No, Dykes might get his goal. I think Dykes might get his goal. I think England will come back and get a goal at the end. Um, oh, so the usual we fling it away in the last five minutes. That would be a very Scottish thing to do. Um, Simon, what are you reckoning? Um, I want to say I'll win. I'll say it. Why not? Let's go for it. Um, I'll say 2 1. I think Phil Ford will score early on and I reckon that we'll get goals from the best Scotland player on Monday, Grant Hanley, and we'll get a winner from Lyndon Dykes. Well, I'm a Norwich fan, mate, so you've just redeemed yourself entirely <laughs> in my eyes for Grant Hanley. I actually thought Andy Robertson was the best player. I thought he played more like a Scotland captain than he ever has. I thought he was really, really good. And the only thing that didn't happen for him was missing that chance. Although I think a better left back scores that chance, which is quite a, a controversial because he's no he's no good at the finishing. Um I think he didn't tell maybe scores it. And that's the thing. So anyway, that is by the by. That's the check game. That's consigned to history. We're now all eyes on Wembley on Friday night. I'm going to be doing here uh, suffering for heat stroke, as previously discussed. As you can see, the sweat's actually built up. I'm going to need to go for a shower after this podcast. You would think that it'd been 45 minutes, a half of actual football that I'd played rather than just uh, 45 minutes of talking about it. But listen, thank you very much to both of you for coming on. Lauren, you're more of a Scotland fan and know that much of social media, bud, but if people want to find you, do you want to plug your Twitter? Uh, yep, I'll, I'll send that across to you. So if I'm more of an in- Instagram, <laughs> if you want to look at what, what, What's your Insta handle then? It's at, uh, at ct 403 Hey, that's fine. Hold you the hacks on Insta now, so give a wee follow and I'll follow you back. <laughs> yeah, um, Simon, my man, you obviously do your own podcast. Tell people a bit about that. Well, I say your own, you and your, your partner in crime. Tell us a bit about that and, and where people can find it, because it's a decent listen, man. Aye, so it's myself and my co-host Fitzy. Um, we started the podcast. It was actually the night after the Serbia game. We recorded the first one, um, but since then it's kind of... It, we didn't really know what we were doing with it, um, but then it's kind of just turned into we got a guest on and just blether, and um, it's it's worked out quite well. Um, but I, you can find that on um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. You can get follows on Twitter, Instagram, um, just Fitzbean Pod, and we're also on YouTube now. So, um, I go and give us a follow, and um, I. Give us abuse if you want to give us abuse. (laughs) You got enough of that anyway, mate. Oh, actually, just before we go, um, tell us about your TikTok escapade. Because this will, for everybody, by the way, this will give you inspiration as to why we need to get into them. (laughs) I so I done a TikTok last month, um, basically just saying the game plan for Wembley has to be we need to go down and plant. McTominay can be the spy because he's English and he can go in and plant nettles in the halfway line and we'll put Dockleaf in our shin guard so that we'll not be unaffected and quite clearly a joke um, but because I, I said by that point we'll have pumped the Czech Republic um, it already kind of went viral but it's now um, just filled with English comments just 
way, get up your way. Well, well, see you on Friday, mate. Um, so um, if you just want to go on there, it's uh, at Fat Boy Beans. If you want to go on there and comment some uh, anti English comments, fire in, be my guest. Aye, let's give the man horrors. Any you TikTokers out there now? I, I don't do TikTok because it's just like I don't get it. Like I feel like a pure old fuddy duddy. It's like the one social media that I'm just like, this has passed me by. I'm done. Right, I'm no I'm no engaging with that. The rest of them, I try and plug stuff on, but just nah. I can't even dance. Like it started off, I just kept seeing people dancing, so I was like, ah, nope, patching that. Uh, but good on you, mate, for for engaging and, and getting a bit of virality. But aye, let's give the man honours, mate. We can't have the English disgrace in this man, so make it happen. But that is all for the Tartan Daily today. I'm going to play my wee outro vid, but for anybody that is watching and listening to these podcasts, if you do so in the audio format as well, then I'm really grateful. Please give me a wee message, let me know you're there. Let me know what you like and what you don't like. And as ever, no Scotland, no party. Thank you for watching today's Tartan Daily. I hope you enjoyed the episode. We'll be doing each of these every day during the Euros, as long as Scotland are in the tournament. Remember, you can find me, I'm Hodgie the Hack, that's H-O-D-G-E-Y the Hack, on all social media. So that's Twitter, Facebook, YouTube and Instagram. If you were watching the stream on YouTube today, then please remember to hit the bell for notifications of future streams. And if you're listening on the podcast, then you can subscribe on your major podcast players and please give a rating or a comment saying how much you enjoyed it. And remember, if you're enjoying these podcasts, then please share them with all your friends. Thank you very much for watching or listening. And remember, no Scotland, no party.